June 30, 2021. It's a lot from Pedro's show. Well, I tell you, I had some trouble at that time. I, I, I did a foolish thing. I, I got dissatisfied with my mouthpiece. <laughs> and I, I had some work done on this thing. And instead of uh, making it better, it, 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 it ruined it. And it really uh, I, it discouraged me, you know, a little bit because I couldn't. There were certain aspects of that, of playing that certain fast thing that I was reaching for that I couldn't get, you know, pushed because I damaged this thing.
Watt from Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Started the show off with an excerpt from John Coltrane talking to Frank Kosky in 1966. Little excerpt. Had some trouble with his mouthpiece. Then we had Luke Guru, which makes Ooh. me think of uh, Captain Beaver. People, you can tell I'm not a man alone, right? Brother Matt's on the Pleasure Point. Love Grotto. But those Estonian software engineers with their Skype software makes it possible for Walter Wright. Thank you for coming aboard, Walter. All right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I was going to say about this tune that you gave me. It's untitled, but it was live, and it's from a project. Actually, I think it's a few tunes that got melted together because I hear, or maybe one tune broke up because there's people applauding in between shit. And it's oh, called, it's, uh, Captain, uh, might be <laughs> Captain Beefheart, Luke Guru. I don't know if there's any relation between uh, the Proj name and the uh, Captain Beefheart song, but. Uh, no, there isn't, actually. Um, it just turned out to be a good name. The uh, the other person that I'm playing with is uh, from Lowell, Cambodian, Satani Penn. Um, I met her when she played in a band called uh, Ralph Eats Dynamite. Yeah. She was a a teenager at the time and it was like a teenage punk band from up the street when we opened the gallery so great uh, she anyway was the, she was the drummer well much respect so, she was the drummer okay yeah yeah satani was the drummer for ralph eats dynamite oh, oh well, no i thought we were talking about loop guru no that's the name of our our little project. i understand after that's that's her yeah. foundation yeah. Yes. Oh, means yeah. werewolf in French. Yeah, we have a Cambodia community in uh, Long Beach, Strong Beach, across the... Indeed you do. Yeah, the yeah. east uh, part of the harbor here. I'm on the west yep. part, right, the Los Angeles part. Also the north part's Los Angeles, that's Weimas, Wilmington. So, look, Walter, I want to uh, learn about your journey through music. Can you bring me your earliest musical recollection in your life? Oh, my goodness. The earliest musical recollection, probably at our cottage in King Carden on Lake Huron, listening to the radio, but also like listening to all the sounds in the woods. That's probably my my first real recollection. Now, this pad you wear, well, nature, that's the primary band, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I'm, yep, glad. I've always, I'm glad you brought yeah, that up. You know, this, I'm sorry. Oh, I've always had this like idea about about nature as being a good source for composition and for material, both visually and sound-wise. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Let's say almost fundamental, right? It's where we spr springeth forth from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. <laughs> exactly. You got it, Walter. So, Walter, in this pad, was it Michigan or Illinois? I was born in Ottawa, Ontario. Ah, True North, Canada, okay. I'm a Canuck. That's okay. I'm way into yeah. it. Way into it. Yeah. Okay, this pad you were uh, as a boy, was there music? Uh, there was a piano in the house, and I, I took piano lessons, and I hated it. Ah, there, there's the lesson, right? Uh, I mean, the indicator right there about the Canadian. You said house. <laughs> yeah. Although you've gotten rid of most of it, but that's that's the one thing that kind of gives, uh, what you say, Canucks away. Yeah, a little bit. So your experience, like a lot of people guests on my show with piano t lessons, was horrible. And what do you attribute to that to, the teacher? Oh, in that case, it was just, I was, uh, uh, I was a very active boy. And sitting there learning this, doing this stuff over and over again just didn't interest me i wanted to make like 
if I could have played an organ, that would have been great. Okay. I would have loved to like make a really big sound. Yeah, yeah. But you know, doing all this clinky, clinky stuff, that, <laughs> you know, that just didn't interest me. Well, what about the idea of it being percussive? Did that hit on you yet? Yeah, I mean, well, piano, I played it like a percussion instrument. Basically. That's why I'm saying, that's why I'm saying. Uh, and I know in the old lot. days of swing bands yeah. that the piano was in the rhythm section with the guitar, the bass, and the drums. Yeah, yeah. But I, I never really got that far because we were doing like all this, you know, lesson stuff. Yeah. But I, li I like my friend, uh, another drummer says, you know, I like to hit things. Right, right, right. So, because <laughs> I was like, going to ask if you jumped on it and shit. What about uh, yeah. what about the first record you bought with your own money? Ah, well, let me see. Um, my background is architecture, believe it or not. I believe it. Yeah, and then I went into video, and I was really interested in electronics. So the first instrument that I bought and assembled was a surge modular synthesizer. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean instrument. I meant record, like music. Ah, so. Like when you're a boy, right? Oh, well, no, that was, when I was a boy, I really didn't have an instrument. No, I'm no, no, no. What I'm asking you is, what was the first oh. record you bought with your own money? Oh, the first, oh, the first records I bought. Oh, yeah. man, the first. The first music that I really got into was, well, we were up, I grew up in Kitchener, Ontario, Western Ontario. It's yeah. an industrial city. Right, 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 right. On, yeah, yep. I know where it is. And we used to listen to Nashville radio. We used to listen to the late night blues show. So the first music that I bought were 78s. Ah, great. And we, we mail ordered them from Nashville. Okay, how much and did it cost in those days? School, I ran a little a little dance down at St. John's Church on Saturday nights, and we played all of our seventy eights that we got from Nashville. So you were like a <laughs> you were like a DJ. Yep. Now yep. I'm, I'm a, curious, Walter. How much did a seventy eight cost to get from Nashville to Canada? Oh man, I can't sure. remember. I don't. I okay. remember they weren't very expensive. Yeah, you know? and, but they're thick and heavy, right, compared to a vinyl. Well, 78, it's like that, you know, it's a 78. It's like big vinyl and all that stuff. But, but more heavy, more thick, so I was just wondering if it... And the customs wasn't that much money? No, okay. customs was fine. I mean, you just couldn't get them in the record shops. You right. had to make order that stuff. I understand. What was the first gig you saw? The first gig I saw? Probably again in Kitchener because we were fairly close to Detroit. So when the musicians would come up along the shore of Lake Huron in the summer to play, uh, they would often land up in Kitchener. So I saw Jerry Lee Lewis. Ah, great. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Bo Diddley. Yeah. Um, I saw a bunch of those guys early on up in Kitchener. And it was a good town for them to play in because working class, people came out and danced. You sure. know, we had bands at the roller rink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What Can I ask you about school, like grade school and junior high and high school? Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? No, I wasn't, actually. 
uh, I did do, I played sports and stuff. I did that, but I really was not much of a, much of a team person. Okay. So, and then you went to college to do architecture and then what made you get that synthesizer? Oh, because, uh, when I, when I graduated as an architect, I worked for a little bit and I decided, man, you know, I never got a license. I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not into this stuff, you know, like <laughs> signing schools that look like prisons and things. That's not my idea <laughs> of architecture. So, so I, I went into, into computer-aided design, computer graphics. So I was, I was doing computer graphics. Ah, oh, so the pewter was the connect to the synths. That was the connection. Yeah. And we, I worked with uh, some friends in Toronto. Uh, we had a little business doing computer graphics consultants, and we applied for a government grant to start to help our little little business. And we got this letter back that said, Canadians don't do this. <laughs> we don't have the computers. We don't have any interest. Um, you're not getting any money, basically. And about a week later, I got a call from New York City and a job offer. So... That's when I moved to the States. You emigrated. About, about 1969. You emigrated. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I moved to, I moved to New York, and I did a, I worked doing computer graphics, and I ran across a, a company there, my second or third year there, second year there, called Computer Image Corporation. And they did uh, animated letters for children's television workshop. So when the little letters came out on the screen, we did that animation. Oh, we did it with, with uh, the Scanamade video com video synthesizer or computer, right? Okay. And I also was very interested in kind of electronic music at that point. So I was I was going out and listening to people. Uh, I saw Phil Glass do his first concert at WBAI in the oh, studio. Wow. Pacifica uh, Station. You know, I saw a couple of other synthesizer players, a group called Insect Trust. Yeah. Uh, I also became a producer at The Kitchen. And The right. Kitchen was down on Mercer. Sure, so sure, they had sure. a lot of electronic music as well. Alvin Lucier, all of those people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So after... after about a year there, I had a. I showed some of my videos. I was doing videos basically. Uh, I showed some of my videos at the Avant-Garde Art Festival, and the director of the Experimental Television Center was there, Ralph Hawking, and he said, "Hey, why don't you come up to Binghamton as artist in residence?" S U N Y, right? There's a college here. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, a Harper College in U now it's SUNY Binghamton. Yeah. So I went to the Experimental Television Center. Um wow. early as an artist in residence and my job was to work with the Peik Abe video synthesizer. And I thought, hmm, I need some sound to go along with this if I'm doing sort of live presentation. Sure. So that's when I got the surge. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. I want to play this thing that you gave me, it's called Brooks slash, I guess you're uh, collaborating with a, a man named, or a person named Brooks, and something called yep. a good archive. Oh yeah, that's a good one.
that we were learning until we had it for about a month. And we started picking up a bunch of stuff all at once. Could barely rid ourselves of the edges and pumice. And little shoes that stuck to our arms and thighs. It was like we suddenly forgot everything. about those years. I learned a few things about myself and about the world at that time. We started to try pain as soon as it became available. I don't think it became clear that we were learning anything until we started picking up a whole bunch of shit all at once. of all the edges in the gravel and the little shoes which stuck to our arms and thighs. I learned a few things about myself during that time. sense at all about those years. I have no sense of time about that time. I learned some things about myself and about the world.
Watford Pedro Show. That chunk of music started with a good archive from Brooks slash Wright. And then we had Untitled from Apocalypso. Ooh. Now, can we back up a little bit? Because you're a drummer yeah. man, too. And I don't, I don't, where did that start? Where did that start? Uh, actually, uh, when I was at the television center, uh, one of the people that, or one of the, one of my jobs was to assist the artists coming in to work in the studio. So at that point, I met Carol Goss. Carol Goss is Paul Boy's partner. And that's where I met Paul Boy. Yeah. Uh, and as a fellow Canadian, you know, we kind of hit it off. Yeah. And when Paul saw my my videos, he said, Walter, you're a drummer. Wow. And I, I said, what do you mean I'm a drummer? I can't, I don't keep time. You know, I mean, I'm not. I, I don't do any of that stuff, you know. I was still making like like electronic sounds at that point. He says, "Here, listen to this. Listen to this LP." And he gave me an LP with himself and forget who was playing bass on that one. Dave Holland, maybe. Ah, oh, great bass man. And Barry Altshaw. Ah. Oh. And he said. Barry doesn't keep time either. <laughs> or, or Rashid Ali. <laughs> Rashid Ali, too, I was going to say. <laughs> so that's, that was the first indication that, that I might uh, pursue oh, that. So it was like, Paul Blay, <laughs> make it be so command. Okay. So, so uh, Walter, tell me your, your first drum set. What was it? Uh, actually, I, I didn't have a drum set for a long time. I just did electronics. Oh, and then okay. when when I when we opened the gallery a couple of years ago, all of a sudden these drum parts started accumulating in the basement. And when I played with Satani in Lugaru, yeah, she said, "Why don't you just put that together and make a drum set? We'll both play drums and we'll both do electronics." Uh, and I said, "Well, sounds good to me." Bet you, you know, you know, you know. They say trap set right nowadays for. <laughs> You know what that word is? It's an abbreviation for contraption. Yes, contraption. Yeah. So, yeah, so it is whatever's in the fucking basement, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I really haven't, I really still don't have uh, a complete drum set. You know, I have, I have various things. Basically, I, I have only purchased things like stands, you know, when the old ones broke. <laughs> all, all, of, all of my drum kit is... You know, picked up from the basement of the old gallery. Well, I'm, I, I've I've seen like uh, drum stands from the '60s and '50s. They're really tiny. You can't hit them too hard. No, no, and I can't like yeah. My I need something a little more robust. A little beefy. So. But the, you know what? The good thing is, is they're easier to carry around for the schlep. You know. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's amazing. So. Uh, going back to the yeah, so you were playing kind of drum machine. Okay, you were using like what? A, a sequencers or, or oscillators to get beats going. Yeah, basically with the with the with the surge, I was using uh, you know the oscillators, and I, I never really used envelope followers or VCAs very much. But surge had a, a, an output an output mixer that had voltage control VCAs built in. Yeah. So I just the universal slope generators to set up rhythm patterns and then I fed those to the oscillators you know 
gave them a little expression with the filters and then used the, the output mixer to do the, you know, to do the VCA function. So yeah, I was doing, yeah, basically that's how I generated my beats. And can I ask you about the keyboard? Some, some synthesizers ended up being connected to keyboards and stuff. Did you ever get into yeah. that? Never. Yeah. No. I still, I still remembered my bad keyboard experience. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you want to go back to that chapter? Yeah, the, the only keyboards I ever used was I used an Ensonic for a long time, ah, but yeah. as a, as a sampler. Okay. You know, so when I triggered the keys, I triggered them like for samples. And yeah, so it was I, like turning on and off little tape recorders. Yeah, you know. But but you could yeah. pitch them and shit and, just, and weird them out. Uh, very interesting. What about as far as uh, performances go with the drums? What was the first when the first time you played drums in front of people? In front of people? Oh, probably like it's got to be just like ten years ago or so. Before that, all of my performances were with uh, the electronics. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the first time I think I I got out the drum set it was probably about ten years ago when I played with Satani. Okay, and and, yeah. and how can you uh, compare the experiences of a performing in front of people electronic performing people with the drum set? Ah, well, that's that's a really interesting question, you know, and I haven't thought much about it, but now that you you know mentioned it, yeah, I mean, electronics a lot of it's in your head, right? Yeah. So all of that all of that stuff that I was doing was kind of in my head, you know. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be playing with with you know I'm only playing with what's between my ears basically. But the drums, yeah, which is really interesting. You play with the, your, your whole body. You right. know, you're it. You know, if you think about it, you're lost. Right. Exactly. George so, Hurley told me it was like balancing your body on your tailbone while all your limbs are moving. Yeah, that's kind of like it. And also, if if you if you kind of like, because I never played with a real band that counted or anything like that, I was more interested in like reacting to the sounds that I heard from the other people. So, you know, and if you think about that, because I did a lot of improv. Yeah. Uh, if you think about it, you're already lost. Right. right? You're behind. It, it has to come without without. Thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you gotta you f yeah. feel it, right? Can I ask you who are your friends singing in the background? Oh, on which? Oh, that's uh, that's George. That's okay. George Parakeet. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. he's he's he, George is on uh, a lot of my recordings. And <laughs> also, it goes in with that thing about like kind of nature being a source. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And George likes George is. I mean, parakeets really like noise, so George has always been part of like the studio. <laughs> it's, you know, he things like vacuum cleaners. You know, <laughs> he really loves those. Yeah. Yeah. I remember first time I went to Australia, and they got buttloads of them, lorikeets too. I mean, you know, because I only knew them as pets in people's pads, but they got wild ones, cockatoos too. Look, we're at the end <laughs> of the first hour, June 30, 2021 edition of Pedro Show. Special guest, Walter Wright. Hold tight for hour two. June 30, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Oh, Gerhard Richter. Gerhard Richter. Is that a title? That's a guy. That's, That's a, a guy. Title. And a title. They named it a book over there. Oh. All right. This All right. Is, Gerhard this is, Richter. This is for Jerry. Richter. This is for Gerhard. Gerhard. 
Watch for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Tough Day Tubin. Tune, uh, something live. A tune called Gerhard Richter. <laughs> and then yep. after that, we had If Wanna with A star, 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 star does it. So I was trying to think of what fucking cuss word that is, but <laughs> can't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, Ro- Robodo slash right with oh. Untitled. Ah, like, yes. Enlighten us to this stuff, Walter. Oh, that that one was uh, uh, one of my Corona collabs. I just I just sent files to a bunch of people who whose music I enjoyed, and one of them was Matt Robidoux. And he, you know, he sent that back almost right away, and it was like, "Wow, Matt, this is awesome!" <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Yeah, so I like that. Matt's out in. Uh, I guess he's still out in California, actually. Okay. So this thing about trading files, you've been doing that a while. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing that, especially when the corona thing hit. That's where I started just sending it, sending out files Oh, you didn't do it before that? Because I've been doing it for the last, like, 15 years. Yeah, I did before. But when when we got the lockdown, that became my only outlet. Sure. Wow. And uh, uh, tell me about your connect with... Al Margolis, because we got to give him cr- credit for making this connect for the show. But what about uh, when did you uh, learn about Ifwana? Oh man, uh, that would be way back. Um, I used to order like mail order records, and remember I started with the the Nashville, right? Later on, later on I I uh, Got in contact with the tape exchange people, so that's where I met Al. Like that's Jimmy. right, because he's a big uh, sound of pig. Yeah, sound of pig. That's yeah, right. so sound I ordered tapes from Al, and I ordered stuff from uh, Ron Lassard. Okay, so that's from RRR Records in in Lowell. So those are my two sources. Okay, and and you so got that you know, and, well from like. Just by contact, letter contact for quite a while. No, I didn't meet till later. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of times that's the way it is, right? It's the music yeah. is a lifeline. But a uh, point I want to make is like people ask me about the old days. I say it was about people, and I think today too, it's always going to be about people. Now, yeah. now, you're in a. Pro- uh, we started off the second hour with a tune that. Has Al Margolis in it? This tough day tubing. Tell me about that. Ah, well, let's see. Al and I, we did. Uh, we started playing together, of course, because he lives not too far away from me in New York, Chester, Chester, New York. Chester. So, so we started like like playing it with with different people, and at some point, we decided we would like to go out. And do a little tour, and that that song that you heard that was a uh, what we did was we got people in the audience. We were playing at the Spotty Dog, oh, yeah. in Hudson, and we got people to give us song titles by looking at the books, so <laughs> they could give us a song title by either using the title of a book or an author or maybe a quote, and. That was Gerhard Richter. Somebody from the audience gave us that as a song title. <laughs> okay. Because so we, we had no, we had no real, real songs, but you know, we made them up on the spot. Yeah, I think it's called improvisation. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And and there was another member in the band, right? Too. Also. 
Uh, there was Al, myself, Steve Norton, okay. who's a free player from Boston. Sure. When I first came to Boston, that was one of the first bands I saw, was Steve Norton's band, Debris. Yeah. And Debris played for about a year and then disappeared completely. And then I ran across Steve Norton maybe six or seven years later in the improv community. Uh-huh. And he played with... Uh, was one of the musicians that were part of Ensemble on AD and Body Drama, which was a mixed group of, of dancers and musicians. Interesting. And, and that's where you know I got to talk to him. And he said, yeah, well, my degree's in music, and I wanted to be a professional musician, but after the four, first year where we traveled all over the country with debris, they sent me a check for $400. Okay. <laughs> At that point, I said, fuck it. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing this. I'm just not doing this. And he dropped out for, for a period of years. So then he said that he came back. But he came back, like, on his own terms. Okay, okay. Yeah. I want to play this thing you, you sent me called the land slash right. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
the Quebecois are always telling her, you speak French very well for her own breath. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm French. You know, so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, dialect. <laughs> well, it got frozen, right? Like it's a couple hundred. They're using these old-fashioned words and stuff. That's what I was told. Right. They use, uh, yeah, so they use old-fashioned press. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I, I remember the big cuss old. word. The big cuss word I learned in Montreal was uh, tabernacle. You know, like, it's, oh, just shirt, it's just shit from yeah. the church, right? Yep. Tabernacle. Yes. <laughs> tabernacle. So, of course, when I got on stage, that was the first thing I said to the audience. Yep. Well, Emmanuel has a, a really interesting space in La Havre. They have one of the old bunkers that was used to defend the harbor in oh, the yeah. war. Yeah, right. And it's converted into, like, artist space. Oh, that's great. I played something like that in Brest, uh, part of France. But it was a Nazi U-boat oh, yeah. thing. But they couldn't uh -huh. tear it up. It was so built up, so they turned it into a gig place. Let me tell the people what we just heard. We heard an untitled piece. Lalande slash right, and then one, uh, unti another entitled piece, Beck slash right. Oh, Beck! There's another. That's another uh, Frenchman. Okay, he's he's from the south of France, though. He's from Montpellier. He's a drummer. Oh, Montpellier! Yeah, yeah, a, a good town, a college town. He's a drummer yeah. man. Okay, Matou Matou Beck. Well, well, tell me about both these pieces you said. Ah. Well, Emmanuel, I met Emmanuel when he came here with a group, his own group called Nazal Kube. Nazal Kube arrived at our gallery from France with Jack Wright. They were touring with Jack Wright. Jack Wright, the uh, tenor player. Yep. Yeah, yep, the Wright. free music. They were touring I, he, with Jack. He sent me his book. The gallery, he sent me his book, The Free Music, and I read it, and I was very inspired by it. Oh, good. Yep, yep. Well, I've, I've done... Uh, I've known Jack for a long time. In fact, I did a, just to digress, I did a show here in, in Boston with Jack Wright, Ben Wright, and Walter Wright. Ben Wright's his son. So okay. we were the three, the three Wright brothers. Right, but do you, are you related? No, I'm not. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm not but, but him and his boy are, of course, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yes, yeah. um, yeah, so Nozzle Cube arrived, uh, and they were great. And they came back a couple of more times, and then they eventually uh, became part of what we call, we do our yearly improvisational music, dance, and visual festival called X-Fest in the whole X-Fest, Massachusetts. And they arranged to, like, come and play at X-Fest. So I've known them now for 10 years. Uh, Emmanuel and his friend Arnaud Lemindou. Uh -huh. And so That's did you propose I, to him that you'd collaborate? Yeah, and then, then when the uh, when the lockdown came, Al, Al also knows them very well. Yeah. He said, well, we got to send some files to Emmanuel and Arnaud. So there is a there is a uh, there is a uh, let's see, some files up there online with, with them. That Al and I are both on. Okay, so, great. And in and, and the Lalonde piece with you? That was just myself and Emmanuel, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah but, but how, how did that happen? And Oh, that happened. That was one of my collab, my Corona collab. Oh, oh so it's kind of recent. Files. Okay, okay. Let's see what I get back. Yeah. 
Okay, and who started? That it? was also that was also the case with I think the one you played earlier on from Kai Brook. Oh. Kai Brooks, they live in Montreal. A good archive. And, and that was another one of those ones where I just sent a file and I got this this back. <laughs> I said, "Holy mackerel! <laughs> right. This is awesome." <laughs> so, so she, so you actually instigated these collabs. Yeah, in this case, I was right. the one who sent them files, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, somebody's got to be the fire starter. Yep, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and, the, and like you said, right away they come back to you. That's what, what a righteous thing one musician can do for another. What's that? That they came right back with their collab, you know. Oh, yeah. To make yeah. the connect like that is such a, such a gift that one musician can do for another one. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, I, of all the ones I sent out, there were there were a couple that that didn't come back, but that was okay. I mean, I the ones that I, the ones that came back right away were usually the ones that had like the most energy. They were, you know, they didn't think about it. They just sat down and and played. <laughs> you know, I've been doing more and more of that because yeah, yeah you got hit when the iron's hot, and, and that's. That means emotions too, I think. And so your first impressions, you never get that back. So why not try to seize right. on that? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of the people I sent them to were were improvisers anyway. So I mean, I didn't. Yeah. So now, now do you yeah. have do you have a little studio set up in your pad? I do. Right now, it's about a uh, hundred degrees up there because it's in the <laughs> Um so I'm not up there. I'm down here with the bird. Um, yeah, I, I when I had the gallery, we had a large loft space, so I had everything set up in the space. We've moved since we closed the gallery, and I'm in a smaller space, but I still have my studio, you know, right there. Sure. sure. And, and is there a drum set set up in there? I have a drum set set up in the attic for myself, and I have there's another drum set. Our landlord, who are friends. Uh, there's another full kit in the basement, and I just played uh, one of our first live gigs since the lockdown with Bonnie Kane down in the basement. And how'd so, that go? It went great. Yeah, yeah. It was wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love to hear it. You know, I never thought anything was going to be canceled. It was just postponed. Just got to yep. get through <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when when you composing do, do you have any kind of like uh scores or is oh, it... sometimes i do i've actually been working on that with a couple of different people uh i've been trying to generate scores based on observations of the real world so uh you know kind of like a sound walk yeah. i do a visual walk so i go out and i i do that and then i use i often use the sort of the the way that, that that goes together, I translate that into into a score for sound. Interesting. So, and I'll sometimes use the, the recordings that I made in the field. You know what I was. Right, right. You know, so you got like kind of a library. Recording. Yeah. Okay. So I'll incorporate those along with with material that I generate. So. Okay. Yeah. Really interesting. But it's not much of a composition. I don't write out notes or anything. I yeah. usually it's usually a graphic score. Okay. That 
and that's what that's what we work with a lot in uh, improv in that group that does the the dance. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I'm learning about it, you know, because it's it's all new yeah. to me coming from rock and roll and stuff. But it's really interesting to me. We're at the end of the second hour, June 30, 2021, and this Watt Pedro show special guest Walter Wright. Hold tight for our three. June 30, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show. Thank <laughs> you. 
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with an untitled live track from Los Condenados. And then we had El Cabong, which I think is uh, Al Margolis uh, connected to. A tune called Minus. Enlighten us, Walter, please. Ah, well, let's see. I'll start with Los Condenados because that's the... You've, you've already interviewed Andrea Pensada. Oh, yeah. Right? She's great. Yep. Uh, so Los Condenados was Andrea, myself, and Sid Vasilenko. Ah, she's Argentina. And yeah. He's the man who plays the bamboozle. <laughs> the bamboozle. Which is basically a bamboo uh, soprano <laughs> saxophone. Right, right. Yep. And he plays it with kind of like, oh, just such energy. Yeah. So playing with playing with 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 uh, with Jules Jules Vasilenko, sorry, uh, playing with Jules and Andrea was like hanging on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep up because the right, two right. of them are such such high Not energy, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember we did a show at the White House. In the basement, it was a venue in Jamaica Plain, uh-huh. and we were like all in the corner, and we started playing, and all of a sudden, everyone in the house was was gathered in front of us. Some wow. of them standing on chairs too high, you know, <laughs> so completely in front. Of them. And Stevie, Steve Norton, yeah. was actually trying to record it, so he was standing out in front, kind of like a guard. <laughs> Centric. At one point, some guy landed in my lap. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing the circuit board. I was playing the board wheel. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, that was high energy. That was B- really board weevil. Uh, board um, weevil. The board weevil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explain, please. Well, I actually switched to that because you know when you play, like I said, the electronic music was kind of between your ears, right? Right. Because when you were working with a synthesizer, well, this was a little kit that Tom Bug, Bugs built. Tom Bugs of Bug Brand in England. Sure. Sure. He built this little kit for a workshop to try and teach kids about electronics. And it has a lot of touch controls on it. No keys. You know, it has some pots on it for oscillators. But the touch controls were really sensitive yeah. and quite handy. And I found that, boy, here's the first electronic instrument that I can really relate to uh, emotionally, like make expression. Sure. And it doesn't make sounds like any other instrument in the whole world. It's just three square wave oscillators plus a filter and, you know, stuff like that. Right. And and battery starts so the whole thing can go south. You just turn that knob. (laughs) Right? And... I eventually, it took me a while to learn how to play it. It took like about six years to learn how to play it. You know, but, but it was great because I put it into an old, an old, uh, big old bass amp. Yeah. Like a, you know, and man, that thing was loud. <laughs> and, and playing with Andrea and Jules was perfect. It was just a total onslaught of noise. <laughs> I still play the board remote. Okay. Right. The board I gotta check that out. Yeah, like hand capacitance, right? Yeah. 
yeah. no no physical switches. I, I want to play some. Oh, more. there's a couple. There's some switches on it that'll allow you to do syncing, and it's it's actually a pretty nicely designed little board. What, what I meant uh, was uh, the way you play it is it's more like uh, no mechanical. Right, the way you play it really is with the is with your with your fingers. Yeah, you know? right, right. I want to play some more El Cabong here. Oh, good.
Your skin will be thick with wool and chills will light on your shoulder. Where there's a chip. In wreck and fantastic excess. I'm so sick of subculture. A salad of futures. A two-faced idea. You will lose track. You will sleep all over the place. A new visitor. Our friend's birthday. Or a bedroom. 
I'm so sick of images. I was there for the first act, but it wasn't very good. The goats eat crushed corn and garbage. There are three stalls on the left and one on the right. Out back is the neighbor's yard. Your dog goes running there sometimes. Sometimes your dog chases the horse. Is that a good speaker? Are you sick of images? Are you ready for a new image? Do you have comfort with discomfort? Can you develop the right sensibility for this? second floor. Were you there for the first act? It wasn't very good. Do you know how to carry those things? Have you hiked up Mount St. Hilaire? Is that a slaughterhouse or a bedroom? Can you see the saxophone in the window? Are you a good speaker? Were you there for the first act?
Watch for Pedro's show. Last music for this edition. It's Morel Caban. IDM, one piece, and then KY, which could be oh, short for Kentucky, or it could be KY yeah. Jelly. I don't know. Enlighten us, Tale Cabong. Al Margolis again, right? Yep. Al Margolis. Yep. Well, how'd it come together and how to develop and all that? The uh, What's the nature of these pieces? These pieces, these, these came out recently. And again, these were pieces where we sent files back and forth to okay. each other. Okay. And, and this was, these two pieces were from uh, an album that we put up on Bandcamp where we asked asked specific people to submit a track. So uh, Kai Brooks from Montreal, they submitted a track and Idem Theftable. Ah, okay. Submitted. So those are the two tracks. Okay. Yeah. And how did El Caban so, come about? Uh, I think... Um, well, Al and I were playing together with a bunch of different people, with Tough Day Tubi, with uh, Three Beards Are Better Than One, with Dave Seidel, <laughs> uh, some various groups. And then I think it was maybe three or four, four years ago or so, I got a call from Al and he said, I have to go and visit my parents in Florida. I need an excuse. <laughs> let's, do a, let's do a tour. So I said, okay, let's we'll do a tour as a duo, but we need a name. So he came up with El Cabong, and that was our first El Cabong tour. Does it have anything uh, to do with the fucking uh, Bullwinkle shit? Oh, well, you know. It's, 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 Remember, when there was something it, with a hit and somebody with a guitar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we don't want to be confused with the, with the, with the cartoon. Oh, okay, I mean, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh if if you think of anything, it's it's like a Swedish manufacturer of, uh, you know, head shop goods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a better one. El Cabong. Yeah, the bong. <laughs> El Cabong, yeah. Right. Right. Bong. It's actually spelled with an H from India, right? It was a soup from like 2,000 years ago with mota in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very. So, so what's the process when you and Al get together? You collab. Like, who goes first? <laughs> that's, an that's an interesting question, isn't it? It's actually that comes up in contact improv in the dance thing. And Steve Paxton talks about mutuality. In other words, you're both standing there. Yeah. Well, I'm supposed to be reacting to something. Do something. Yeah. You know, so somebody somebody has to start. Right. So somebody starts, and then it just takes off from there. So quite often, um, Al starts. Okay. But he's... if you've ever played with Al, yeah. No, I haven't. He plays I'm... very quietly, okay. so you might not even know he started. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes we both just kind of start very quietly. Right. And then we realize that we're both playing. Okay. And then it takes off from there. Right. Yeah. And so you're trying to build an interesting conversation. Yeah. 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 That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's a little different with tough day tubing because usually Crank, uh, Matt, you know, Crank Sturgeon's in yes. the lead. And he's doing a lot of talking with the audience. So um, we generally uh, follow his lead in that band. He, he makes up song titles and, and away we go. Um, yeah. But with Al, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's mutuality. We kind of just start a conversation. Right. 
Subtle yeah. cues. Subtle cues. So where right. can people find you, Walter, on the internet? Oh, well, if they're looking for sound, they should look uh, up uh, Bandcamp, and they should look up El Caban. Okay. That's where I've got most of the sound files. And people, I got, I got to spell it for you because it's a little different and not to be confused with a cartoon. It's two words, E-L-K-A, second word, B-O-N-G. That's correct. Okay. okay. The Swedish head The shop. Swedish head <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, well, I, I got to tell you, big honor to have you on the show, Walter. Thank you so much. Uh, a future plan? Yeah. What do you got? What's that? Your future plan. Oh, future plans. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, next week I'm going to Asheville and Roanoke. That's right. Uh, we're planning perhaps uh, this summer to get a uh, uh, tough day tubing reunion going up in Maine. Great. Uh, I've got a, a Kai Brooks. They're working on an LP, actually, which will just be Kai and myself. Um, so that's, that's supposed to come out in the fall. In the, yeah, in the fall. Um, yeah. Really interesting. I can't I wait to hear this stuff. And, and when schedule. you get more stuff out, Walter, please come back on the show. I'd love to have you back and we can wrap oh, it up. Oh, great. I'd love to. That'd be okay. wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much, Walter. <laughs> Big love. People, it's been the June 30, 2021 edition of Watt Peter, so keep your powder dry. Woo!